we're going to get after this. I'm excited um, to continue the series we're in. The gospel changes everything. Um, and part of the reason we chose, uh, if you see the kind of imagery that we're using with it, is a phone, right? And uh, because, uh, uh, partially because of what we're talking about this week, um, is that how often we look to change or how to change or what it means to change the world around us. And we open, right? We turn on our phone. I guess we don't flip open phones anymore. We turn on our phone and we look at it um, to either learn what that means or actually use that or think that what we're doing in it changes. And so today we're looking at uh, kind of social media and news and the social world that we're connected to through technology and and how does that work and how does the gospel change our interaction with that? This is a complex thing um, and almost depending on the day changes as we learn new things about uh, companies, uh, enormous companies that are putting these apps and technology out and what they do. Uh, and we hear great things and we hear some pretty dark Sometimes could feel scary things. Documentaries are coming out and, and um, people are taking, deleting apps off their phone, putting new apps on their phone, hiding their phones, getting newer, better phones for all these things. And so um, we just want to look today, what is that, what are some things to think about to better understand that? And my hope is we can leave uh, actually with even a, maybe a few practical thoughts and tips, um, some, some things other people in our church are trying that have been helpful for them, um, and also to get a framework of how does this play into our faith? How does the gospel actually apply to this? Because social media is this tool that's been created, and it seems originally all, most social media apps or technology is created as a way to help, right? a way to uh, allow people to connect to other people in communities around the world, express themselves, learn things. To build community, grow people, care for people, it actually sounds kind of creation mandate Like if you um, remember back a few weeks when we started this series, we talked about the creation mandate, us to be blessed by God, to grow, multiply, and to be those who partake in caring for the world with God. And so it's to be, a, to be blessed and to be a blessing. And so I think uh, even people who are not, Followers of Jesus still have that, this common grace we have, this built into them as image bearers, this desire to build, grow community, and care for people well. But like any good thing, it can become and used as a tool for not so great things. And we, we take good things and we make them into God things, which we're going to get there in a second. First, I just want to highlight, I mean, Depending on who you are, maybe the, your age uh, and your personality, you use social media or these technology differently. You might say this, I, I maybe check sports scores and that's all I do on, on this. Or maybe I spend five, six hours a day scrolling through. My, my finger is sore because of the, you know, I had some muscles in my finger from scrolling. We see social media used, though, for great things, for to bring more awareness to things, um, 
It brings people together and ideas together. You hear stories of lives being saved because of connections through social media, lives being saved through the technology and the groups people are in that give them support and encouragement to help them through hard times where maybe the people they're around don't understand or aren't in that situation. And so they can connect to people who are all over the world at any time. It's, it's allowed us to connect to um, our families in ways that we wouldn't have been able to, to keep up with family or reconnect with old friends. It allows us to discover new passions, new things that I didn't know I might be excited about or want to try and hobbies and even connect to others who love the same thing in a way that wouldn't have happened without it. We're able to, we're talking about, we're literally right now on Facebook using this to have church together, to worship Jesus together, to grow closer to each other and, and God, to be blessed and to be blessings. We're using this platform and, and I can be grateful for that. And the greatest thing about it, the thing that has brought joy to the world and, and will forever are memes, right? I gathered some of my favorite 2020 memes just to let's be blessed by this community. Here, here's just a few that I've really loved this week. This classic with the mask. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or how about this classic? This is how 2020 feels. Oh, nothing captures the moment like this meme. Or how about this? There's lots of these. Maybe this captures it even a little better. Oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what? There's so many videos of kids running over people with these little battery-powered oh. – how about this? I mean, this might be the greatest of 2020 memes. Oh, my goodness. Look at that. In a flood. I mean – and just so we don't uh, get too caught up, memes sometimes might give us the impression that, um, or social media might give us the impression that like in the moment we're in is the worst or the best, right? It can definitely exaggerate things. This meme came up as I was searching. At the end of 2019, somebody made this meme that they felt like 2019 was a death slide, right? Yeah. Don't forget, every year, often can feel like the worst of years, depending on who you are. 2020 definitely is up there, right? And, and saying that reminds me and leads us to also the other side of the coin that technology and uh, these can be used um, very negatively, right? Like any tool that's been created, things um, that can cause us to become addicted. In fact, the way some of this technology is designed, if we're not careful, can be addictive like many other things in our lives. And it can draw our attention. It literally calls to us. It actually dings, right? Do-do-do, do-do-do. It's calling to me. Come back to me, Drew. See how, how much the Packers won by this week. Oh, thank you for calling me, right? Your friend has something important to say. Somebody commented on something you said. See if they think you're funny. See if they liked your comment. See if they heart you or emoji hugging to heart you, right? There's, there's actually, uh, actually like psychological 
things going on here. Uh, something called positive intermittent reinforcement. When you do something over and over and over and get positive feedback from it, it actually can cause a habit. So let's say you held something and you did this, and as you did it, it gave you videos that made you feel good or laughed or made you cry or made you happy that puppies were so cute. We actually tra- it actually can train us if we're not careful. It can create lives and worlds that aren't actually uh, the whole world or reality for us. I heard someone call it once a digital pacifier. It can become something that just soothes us, lulls us. Um, a study was, was done where they've shown, multiple studies have been done, and they showed from either five to seven, one study ten times, um, uh, inaccurate misinformation is spread five to ten times faster, depending on a platform, than true information. Right? Headlines that grab your attention, that sound more exciting, that maybe agree with something you're already feeling, those tend to get shared and repeated and grow much faster and get to much more people than true information. False information can gather people, but also then we see it polarize people. And because of this technology and the way it, it can work, it can put us in what we can call an echo chamber. So we continue to hear the same information because we keep watching those and clicking on those and it knows they like those. And so it keeps giving us those because it wants our attention because we, we need to understand also it, people are making money. And so in order to make money, you have to sell ads in order to, you know, sell ads, you need people's attention on there. And so if they want to keep my attention, they got to keep posting Funny dumpster fire memes, right? And I will keep, oh, keep looking at those and I'll continue um, to do that. And so I, I, I say there, there is this balance, right? There's this, I, we're not just going to sacrifice social media, get it all, pile all of it up, burn it. Because in the end, there's really a deeper problem. And before we get to that, I, I called a friend. Anytime I'm curious about social media or wondering how it actually works, I call my friend Drew. It's not myself. This isn't like a weird, we're running green screen me talking to myself. I don't know that much, but my friend Drew does. He's worked in the industry a long time and he knows a lot. And I'm always really blessed by his wisdom. And so I called Drew and um, he sent us a video just explaining um, how he would consider this as a person from our church who loves Jesus and also engages in this daily. How would he think about it? So let's go to Drew and hear a little bit of his thoughts as we continue here. Hi there, I'm Drew, and uh, if we haven't met before, it's nice to meet you. Pastor Drew asked me to speak for a few minutes this morning on um, social media and the gospel. So obviously, really easy topic, no nuance to it, not controversial at all. Um, No, but it's an important topic. for, for us to consider, for us to look through. I know there's, you know, Netflix documentaries that have come out recently, lots of articles, lots of things happening. And, you know, it's important for us to ask, how are we as Christians supposed to engage with social media? You could spend hours on it, but I want to just spend a couple, giving you a couple of my thoughts. Um, I've worked on social media uh, professionally for over 10 years. I've worked with big brands like Cheerios and Cinnamon Toast Crunch and the Super Bowl. 
I've worked with bands, I've worked with celebrities, I've worked with nonprofits and churches. Even a few years ago, I helped write a book about strategy for uh, churches' social media. It even got translated into Spanish, which is kind of wild and crazy. And I don't give you my credentials to be like, this is why you should listen to me, or this is why I have all the answers. I mostly uh, give you that context because I've had a lot of, just to show you that I've had a lot of time to think about this, that I've had you know, a lot of time to ask the questions with those that I work with in this and even personally, how are we as Christians supposed to engage with social media? First thing to know, I don't have all the answers. Uh, it is pretty complicated and I'm not gonna give you a list of this is what you should do, this is what you should not do. You should delete all your apps and not use it. You should totally do more of it. <clears throat> uh, that's that's not a, a great way to approach it. What I want you to do and what I want to encourage you with is I think it's very important for us as Christians to engage uh, with social media with wisdom, but to ask questions and not just look for these simple conclusions and answers. It can be an enormously powerful tool for creating community and relationships and deepening all of those things. Um, and more than anything, I want us as Christians to not approach social media with fear or negativity, but to approach it with a critical eye and with wisdom from God in how we should use it. Um, the other thing that I want you to think about is um, a question you can ask yourself pretty regularly and often. What am I looking to get from social media when I engage with it, when I post, when I put something up there? What am I looking to get back? I think oftentimes, uh, we're looking for affirmation. We're looking for satisfaction. Uh, and, you know, there's a difference between entertainment and enjoyment and deep satisfaction that is connected to our identities and connected, connected to our value and worth as children of God. And I can tell you, you know, just like the rich guy who will say, like, you know, I chased all the riches and it didn't get me the happiness I was looking for, that cliche, I've, you know, had social media campaigns and posts go viral and reach tens of millions of people. I've engaged with all the biggest celebrities, you know, to some people getting verified on platforms is really important. I've done all of those things and that's all exciting and entertaining and fun in its own right, but it doesn't bring the kind of satisfaction uh, in, 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 you know, identity and who I am. And so I know there's some of you that when you've posted a selfie, you've taken it down after a few minutes because it didn't get enough likes. Uh, it didn't get enough reaction. I know that some of you, when you're posting, maybe not saying this explicitly, but you're thinking, you know, am I smart enough? Am I clever enough? Am I pretty enough? Am I enough? And I think that's a really dangerous game that we have to be self-aware of and um, make sure that we are checking ourselves pretty regularly, that, it's, that we're not using social media to uh, confirm that we are, we are worth it in, in Christ. That's the only, the only thing, only place that can come is from him. Uh, and so that's a really important way to, you know, make sure that your relationship with social media is tuned up. Again, though, I really want to encourage you that these platforms can be enormously powerful for creating empathy, for uh, connecting with people in new ways, for reaching out to people who are lonely or to people who need to know truth. And I encourage you to be salt and light, not just in the real world, 
but salt and light in the the app world, in the social media world. We need you. We need the positivity there. There are a lot of you that have stories that need to be shared. There's a lot of you that have um, relationships with, with people that need you in those areas. And so I pray that you would um, approach social media with uh, wisdom. Pray that you'd re- uh, approach it with uh, grace and truth and um, uh, continue to have good conversations about it. So thanks for listening. Uh, thanks, Drew, for your um, thoughts on that. I appreciate um, I definitely got to hear many great stories of um, or maybe just funny stories of the amount of time he spends um, on social media and all the, the funny things and really kind of dark things that can happen there. And so he encouraged us, and I think I would encourage us to consider what does that look like then, and why do we, why does these things, why do these things happen? Why do I often find myself going to a thing, clicking on Facebook, scrolling through, realizing it had been a half an hour, and, and then not feeling satisfied? In fact, sometimes feeling worse than when I started, or feeling like I wasted time. Um, and so. I, I want to start us with a story here that it, that explains the why. Let's get to the why. Let's get to the heart, the foundation of where this kind of comes from, because I think that will help us understand why the gospel really changes this. Now, this conversation can be had about all topics, all things, but I think really helpful in this topic of social media to look at this. So I'm going to tell us a story. The story comes out of 1 Kings 18. It's a story called Elijah and the prophets of Baal. So have a seat, snuggle up with your blanket, picture me in a rocking chair. I'm about to tell you a quick story about a prophet of God named Elijah and the prophets of Baal. Now there was a prophet named Elijah and he uh, was faithful to God. And in fact, he was the only prophet in the land where he was at this point. And there were about 450 Baal worshipers. And Baal was a god uh, of, of the people in that land. One of their gods, or at least they thought was a god. He was a god of thunder and lightning. Um, he was the god who brought storms and rain. And one day the king there said, we got to figure out who the true God is. And so they brought Elijah and the prophets together. And Elijah suggested that they have a kind of uh, sacrifice competition. Today, maybe they'd have a TV show, you know, like uh, who's the, you know, who's the true God? I don't know. Well, they did. So they set up two sacrifices, one for the Baal worshipers. All 450 of them would gather around to worship and call upon their God. And Elijah would call upon the Lord, which God would be crowned the true best God. These sacrifices would be offerings to God. They would pile some wood on an altar and they would put a sacrificial bull on that altar. They take maybe one of their finest bulls and sacrifice it, give it to their God in order to coerce their God into doing something, or at least give it as an offering so that their God would bless them. It was a, would become a burnt offering of this valuable item. 
Normally they would put the bull on the wood, they would burn it, and, and the smoke would, would go up to the heavens and the gods would be pleased and they would um, bless the people, is, was the idea. And so Elijah said, you guys go first. Uh, there's a lot of you. Let's see what your God, Baal, can do. And so the Baal worshipers got the wood. They put the bull on it. And they waited. They cried out to their God and waited for fire to come down, for their God to finish the sacrifice. A Baal was the God of lightning, of storms, and of rain. He should be able to lightning that bull quick and start it up. But it didn't happen. There was no burnt bull. So they began, imagine 450 people began to dance. They began different rituals. They began to work their hardest to summon this God, to coerce their God and to bring in the fire. Can you imagine them all yelling and screaming, dancing? That's a lot of people around this altar. You have to imagine there, there, there's moments of like, there's one guy over there, Elijah, and there's 450 of us. We have to be right. This has to work. If, if 450 of us say it's true, it's got to be true. In fact, they got to a point where it was not happening. Not a flicker of fire was coming down. And so they began to hurt themselves, to cut themselves, to do whatever they could. Their last ditch effort to get their God to bring fire, willing to change how they looked, change themselves physically to bring this fire down, trying everything for this God to do their bidding. But there was silence. Baal did not show up. In the midst of that, Elijah even took moments to mock them, asking, where is your God What does he do? Is he on vacation? Maybe he forgot who you were. And so now it was Elijah's turn. He took and created an altar. He didn't just create any altar. In fact, put 12 stones around remembering the 12 tribes of of the Israelites, remembering that God had been faithful to them always. He stacked wood on it and put his bull on it. And just to make it clear that it was God that was doing this and not him, and he wasn't some illusionist or he didn't have some trick, he poured water on it. Water on the wood and the bull on the altar, that's not going to help the fire. Then he just he poured more water, and then he poured more. And in fact, he dug a trench around it and filled that with water. This was like a, a, a soaked, drenched altar that became a pool. It was a like a water altar that was supposed to burn. Knowing the long history of God being faithful to his people, he knew that there'd be no explanation other than that God came when God would come. So the odds seemed to be against Elijah. They seemed to be against this God. There was one person. That one person poured water on the altar. It seemed to be an impossible task for this sacrifice to work. You have to imagine that moment as Elijah was about to call God and ask him to perform this miracle 
that the 450 worshipers of Baal had to be chuckling a little bit. They had to be talking a little bit. They had to be throwing out some comments about how silly this was. And amazing thing, if you know this story, this incredible thing happens now. Elijah turns to God and he he, he tells God, you have always been faithful to us. He says, God, my God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, make it known right now that you are God. Why? That, and that I'm your servant and that I'm doing what I'm doing under your orders, that you're in charge. Not that, not that I'm in charge and that because I can do something, you're going to now give me something, but because you ultimately are in charge, please answer this. And why? Why bring fire? Answer this and reveal to these people that you are the true God and that you're giving these people a chance of repentance. Did you hear the prayer of Elijah? His prayer wasn't, make me look good. Lord, do this so that it affirms me. His prayer was, do this so they would know you are the true God and they could turn to you. He wants to see them know God. And of course, what happens immediately, fire falls down from heaven. It burns up the wood and the bull and the stones and the dirt and everything. The water is all burnt up. Immediately, God responds. And what happens then? Immediately, the people fall on their faces and say, this God is truly God. He is the true God. Elijah asked God to show off who he is and offer these people life in him. And God does. Because he is the true God. Baal never shows up. God is the God of all things. The end. All right. I love this story. This story encourages me this week as I was praying through, how do I think about social media? This story came to mind multiple times and um, it, it reminds me really of our, what our real core problem is and that what the solution is. We got to be careful in this story that we don't put ourselves in the place of Elijah and we say, oh yeah, I am always trying to remind my friends, all 450 of them, who... <laughs> who God is and rain fire down right on them. In fact, I heard this story told once, um, not read from like, just told like I told it. Um, but, but the, the prayer was, was taken out and and added in was someone saying, yeah, Elijah wanted to see fire come down on these people and burn them for their unbelief. And the the prayers, they would know who the true God is. We put ourselves in the place of those Baal worshipers. I, we got to be careful here. We don't, I'm not saying social media is Baal. I'm not saying Facebook is an ancient Old Testament God that we're all worshiping. What I'm saying is that we become worshipers of things other than God. That we become worshipers of things. And so we do whatever we have to, to coerce that thing to work that thing, to continue even to, to change who we are, to hurt ourselves and others, 
in order to make that thing do the thing we want it to do. And we want it so badly. And there's many of us who are continue to tell each other, yeah, this is right, right? Right? We should keep dancing. We should keep, this is going to work, right? It's going to bring me approval. It's going to bring me love. It's going to bring me real, true community. It's going to bring me satisfaction. It's going to justify what I'm doing. It's going to take away my suffering and bring me peace. We look to good things and we make them God's. Every day, every day. And what's so sweet is our God shows us. He, he brings the fire every day through the gospel and says, no, I am the true God. Turn to me. Life is in me. I say I want people to like me, fear me, approve of me, accept me, maybe even accept my sin. I want a God who's going to tell me it's okay what you're doing. Keep doing it even if it isn't the way God created. I want my fears and my hate to be affirmed. I want maybe my distrust to be justified. I want to hide from suffering. I want to get away from this brokenness. And I think this thing will get me away from this brokenness. And so I dance around the altar, right? I, I build a little altar every time I pull out my phone and I say, you're going to satisfy my soul. I lay logs and a bull on that altar by clicking that little blue square that has an F on it, right? And I say, okay, here we go. This is going to be so good. You're going to bring the fire of acceptance and love and satisfaction. I'm willing to do anything, even change who I am or even harm myself as long as I can get that. And there's not a flicker of a response from that God, because it's not our God. And so when good things get treated like God things, we get hurt and we get unsatisfied. I So this, in a little way, I saw this happen in our house. Um, we have good friends who have a, uh, let's say his name is Joe and he's about eight months old. And one of our daughters loves him, loves holding him, loves caring for him. He's just, she's a big fan. We love it. But when she gets upset, she says, oh, if Joe was my dad, everything would be okay. <laughs> like the eight-month-year-old, the eight-month eight the kid, if he was your dad, everything would be okay? Who? I don't see Joe. No, I don't see that working out, right? She's putting, she's putting Joe in the wrong place, right? Joe will never provide for her in the way, right? Her big papa can, right? There's no way Joe, Joe is going to, right? She needs to care for him. And so I think in a similar way, we're putting, we can put these things in the wrong place and then we expect the wrong things, but we work and work and work and work and try to get those things out of it rather than accepting the, and understanding who God is. We see this play out in lots of ways. Drew mentioned these a little bit. In my experience in youth ministry, I saw many times the same story of um, teenagers posting the same post over and over again with a little different angle of the head, a little different look because no one was liking it. Continuing to post, I just want someone to put a bunch of likes and a heart and say that I'm cute or handsome or cool. We see this situation 
play out the moment I have to wait for something. The moment I know there's two more minutes till someone arrives for a meeting, I pull it out because I got to fill that time rather than learning to sit and be still. Whenever I'm tired or feeling upset, I want to escape. I want to pull out my forget machine and just forget the things. In fact, often I'm very vulnerable in that space and it just reminds me of more things. It catches my attention I can see people outraged at what's happening in the world around them. And so they can run to this thing, whether to shout out how they're feeling and maybe even looking for someone to affirm what they're feeling and their hate or their distrust or their hurt. We do the social media dance to summon the yeses of people around us to affirm hurtful or unchristlike words or thoughts causing division. There is good news for all this. There is amazing news because just like the Baal worshipers, we get an opportunity to see the true God at work. Because many years after Elijah asked God to bring fire down, and God did immediately and saw hearts of people turn, another sacrifice was laid on a pile of wood. This time it wasn't a bull or a goat or a lamb. This time it was God himself. And Jesus hung on a wooden cross as people laughed at him. A seemingly impossible moment. Not just water poured on him so fire couldn't ignite it, but death and sin seemingly had won the battle against God and his people Death and sin and Satan had orchestrated the death of God. They were backed into a corner. There was no way God could pull this off. But they were unaware of what God was about to do, that he was about to change the hearts of many, and many would say and will continue to say, he is the true God. Immediately at the moment of Jesus' death on the cross, there was an earthquake a storm that tore the temple curtain, releasing God's presence into the world, bringing fire. Not one time burn the altar in that moment with the Baal worshipers for all of time brought fire. Jesus would not stay dead, but he would resurrect and bring us with him. He defeats sin and death and gives us a chance to repent and say, you are the true God. And that's how the gospel changes this. Because we no longer need to look for God things in good things. We get to worship Jesus, accept him and love him. And out of that, we get introduced to new passions and a peace that passes all understanding. And now we get to move into things. We get to click on apps, not to build altars to satisfy our souls, but to bring the good news that there is a true God. And share with fellow sinners that they've been rescued and they're accepted and they're loved. And we get to see change in the world because we have been changed by the gospel. So as I, as we finish this, I want to look at Colossians 3 really quick because it shows what happens here. As we see the gospel change us, we see this. Now look at Colossians 3, just a few verses here in Colossians 3. Show It really illustrates this. I mean, 
I know this wasn't written. I know the story of Elijah and Baal weren't written thinking, oh, this is going to help people with their social media someday. Colossians, they weren't aware of it, but how true is this still the issue today? It says, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these. This is, as we know Jesus, as we say, yes, you're the true God. Rid yourself of these anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips, in your comments, in your posts. This has always been happening. Do not lie to one another since you have taken off your old self with its practices. (laughs) Tell the truth and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. There is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Slave or free, but Christ is all and it's all. No, there's no more division. There's no us and them. I mean, how relevant is this? Therefore, the gospel changes us. We are now God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with one another and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against one another, what does it look like to, to restore relationships now? To bring people together? This sounds very creation mandate-like. Bring people together. Grow people. Care for people. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let that rule in our hearts. Since as members of one body, you are called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, posts, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father through him. We have an opportunity to bring great hope to a world that is grasping at it in all places but Jesus. What a sweet gift that we get to be those who are blessed and get to be a blessing. I'll I'll share a few, I promised a few practical. I I reached out to some people and asked just practically, what are ways that you have found that helpful? Maybe some behaviors, um, some changes in your life that you found that the gospel has changed you, but there are things Boundaries and things you want to put in your life, things that people have found helpful in, in their, um, with their social media. So I'm just share some of those as we come to a time to reflect and uh, take communion here in a moment and pray. Um, first one is the question that Drew had, which led us to this discussion of Elijah and Baal worshipers. First, ask the question, what do you want to get out of this when you move into using anything or watching anything. What is your hope to get out of this? Someone suggested me a three-second pause. Secondly, a three-second pause as they pull their phone out of their pocket or they click to watch something or they turn their TV on. They pause for three seconds to make sure what they're about to do is what they want to do and not just a habit, a thing they just do. I love that one. That's what I've already been thinking this week about. Pause for the amount of times I put my phone back in my pocket. I don't want to just click this because I'm bored. Just practically turning off notifications, not allowing your your device to tell you when you go and, and see it. Andy Crouch, in a book it has been mentioned a few times in the comments, uh, a TechWise family, he wrote a book called TechWise Family, which is, I think, helpful, a book you can read 
to get some ideas. Maybe you don't agree with all of it, but really helpful in thinking through what does it look like to have a family and have a lot of technology around me and raise children that he encourages people with a, 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 um, a phone Sabbath, an opportunity to step away, to think through how do I put limitations on. And they, in their house, they try to do a, a Sabbath, a break from social media or maybe even technology, one hour a day, one day a week, and one week a year. Now, one hour a day, maybe you're like, well, I could probably do that. I could set my phone down and engage in something else. This doesn't count while you're sleeping. This is like awake time. One hour a day, uh, one day a whole a week. Now, that's getting a little wilder. Was there a day every week or part of a day that you could set it down and be away? And then a whole week every year. And I know he's been very blessed and, and I've been able to do these at times really blessed by this. Even when it's happened, like not because of me, just because I didn't have like signal somewhere for a day. Also, people have uh, mentioned to me uh, they created a social media budget, a time budget. So they decide how many minutes, how many hours a week am I allowed to go on there? And they assess it. And thankfully, now we have technology that will show us to the minute how long we're on there. And the, and the last one, multiple people said, do you have someone asking you how this is going in your life? And I encourage the same. What a great question. Who do you have that will encourage you to, um, th- that would encourage you to think about this? Even just to ask you, what are you worshiping this week? What do you think you're getting out of this? And lastly, uh, I asked a friend, hey, hey what, what would you encourage people with who I think does this well? He said, uh, I encourage people to turn their worship to Jesus. Okay, well, some tips maybe. He said, worship Jesus, worship Jesus. And in the end, after our discussion and our, uh, our, our story today, I think that is so important each moment of our lives to turn our worship to Jesus, and out of that, we get to discern and figure out how we use the things God has given us, not as gods, as idols, but as the gifts that God has given us.